one of the points that leaps out at me in this scripture we read out of the first chapter is the Lord has just declared to them, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And after he said that, they all went, yay, we're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. No. Their minds went in a completely different direction. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's kind of a, a selfish uh, question for them. Because they were thinking, Lord, if you restore the kingdom to Israel at this time, then we're going to be elevated. And the Lord had to bring them back to center and say, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father's put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now let us go to the issue at hand. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost, Pentecost means 50. It's the 50th day following Passover. It is a Jewish feast day. We don't really say much about that because what happened on this particular day of Pentecost has overshadowed the Jewish feast day for over 2,000 years. But when the day of Pentecost, 10 days after the Lord's ascension, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They had all come together. They were all of one mind. And suddenly, without any warning, there came, what, a sound from heaven. They didn't say it came from the surrounding area. They didn't say it came from the weather. A sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It is an extremely loud, it's not an uncomfortable noise, but it is an extremely loud sound. It is loud enough to attract the attention of people outside the building in the street. There comes a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind fills the whole house where they were sitting. That's the first sign. Then there appeared to them cloven tongues, divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. They had a flame on the top of their head. Each, every person had one flame. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. We have a rushing mighty wind, which is a loud sound. We have the cloven tongues, as a fire that only the, the folks inside the room can see that are on each individual. And then, having been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak in a language that they had, did not learn and could not understand. All this happened. Verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak from Chattooga County, Georgia? No, they're Galileans. How did they know they was Galileans? Because praise God, they talk like I do. 
You set me down up north and people will come to hear me, not because of the content of my message, but they just want to hear the way this old hillbilly southerner talks. Say something else. I've been around them. Say something else. They knew there were Galileans. Here's the thing about being a Galilean. They weren't permitted to speak in a temple because of their accent. was just so distinct and unacceptable in high circles that they didn't speak in a temple. If you were a Galilean, you were just a Galilean. Praise God, everybody knew it when they talked to you. It don't take long for people from out of town to know that I'm from the beloved South. Amen? Now, I'm proud of that, but still, it's just something that we deal with. For those of us who interact with one another on a daily basis, we don't think anything about it. Go to Ohio, Wisconsin, Neyot, anywhere like that, you'll find. The, how is it all these Galileans are speaking in these different languages? Amen. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues. What? The wonderful works of God. What are they speaking? Well, these who were able to translate, now this isn't an interpretation, this is a translation. They heard them in their own language. And they were speaking the wonderful works of God. Now, for the end of this message, we're going to deal with tongues. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever, what in the world could this mean? Others, mocking, said, they are full of new wine. Now, why would they say that? There are some stereotypes concerning Pentecostals that I want to address during this message this morning. We have been soundly, roundly criticized, ridiculed, made fun of because of the way that we worship. Uh, there are some, and I remember, uh, I, I know a couple of folks who had this testimony. Well, I want the baptism in the Holy Ghost, but I, if, I have to, I, if I have to roll, I ain't going to do it if I have to roll to get it. They didn't get it until they rolled. Then they got it. The behavior of the folks on the day of Pentecost was such that the crowd could only rationally determine that, well, they're drunk. Now, I did that not to make fun of or mimic, but I'm here to tell you the power of the Spirit of God is hitting me and not me about sideways. Anybody else ever been there? Amen. I remember the night I knocked Brother Dan down. I said, we've killed him. <laughs> Brother Tim Collins said, we killed him? Come out here. I mean, there was so much sound going on around him. I said, he's speaking in tongues. Praise God. And I know that intimidates some folks because nobody wants to be made fun of. Can I ask you a question this morning? What could be so good so wonderful, so indescribably joyful that you could not care less what anybody had to say or to think about your response to the presence of the Spirit of God in your life. I have not only been there, beloved, I live there. 
I could not care less. And I'm talking to you behind the pulpit. I could not care less anybody's criticism of me or anyone else worshiping the Lord in the spirit. Woo! You're going to move. Amen. Because you ain't being moved on by any... You are being moved on by the Spirit of Almighty God. And when you interact with Him, somebody's got to give. And beloved, it's going to be us. Now that response differs with individuals. And we have a, you know, a, little, a little list of, of behaviors we go down sometime. Some folks run. I remember Dal Bethune running this man I ever seen. I saw Dal Bethune run during foot washing. His feet were soaking wet, and he come down that hallway and, and hit that linoleum floor, and I thought, oh, you know. But the Lord held him up, and he come back, you know. I've seen folks just jump straight up where they were. I've, I've seen some folks just hit the floor. I've seen folks hit the floor and roll. And I could go on down there. But you know what? I've seen folks just stand still, not move, and just squall. And what we got to be careful that we don't, we don't place like a sliding scale on this because the fellow that runs is no more spiritual than the fellow that rolls who is no more spiritual than the person that jumps straight up who is no more spiritual than the person who just stands there and cries. Hallelujah. But I'm just here to tell you something going to happen. You're going to give some kind of way. It's because you are experiencing the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. They're full of new wine. They're drunk. They're staggering. What's that guy doing? He's running. I know some folks around. I promise you that if we were in heaven today, there he goes. Hey, Brother Dole, we got him. You think Dole Bethune's running? Well, I ain't going to bet on it, but I would say it's a very real possibility that Brother Dole ain't stopped running. Since the angels set his feet down on them streets. Amen. Praise God. And I ain't just picking on Brother Dove. I mean just a bunch of other folks. They're full of new wine. We, we cannot understand their behavior. Take notice of what Peter says in the 14th verse. But Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. It's nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And what is it? Verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, I will pour it out. That's an important point. We're going to get to it a little later. I will pour out of my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and earth, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. That's at the end of the tribulation period. And it shall come to pass. And now is. And here's the wonderful promise. That whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is the message we proclaim. Now the purpose of Pentecost, the promise of Pentecost, is not Pentecost. Jesus said, 
When the comforter comes, he will not speak of himself. He will speak of me. Jesus said, when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power and you'll be witnesses unto me to the ends of the earth. The purpose of the Holy Spirit baptism is not to jump, is not to run, is not to roll, is not to squall, it's not to speak in tongues. The purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to do so powerfully so that those who hear may be confronted with the truth. Outside of the Holy Spirit, all we have is just another religious story. Boy, we got one, don't we? We're talking about a man who was born of a virgin. Well, that's physically impossible. <laughs> you reckon? We're talking about a man who was born of a virgin. We're talking about a man who lived a sinless life. Never sinned, not once. Oh, brother, not once. He experienced every temptation that was common to mankind. But despite that, he never sinned, not one time. Sinless, perfect. Somebody jump up. Brother, that ain't nobody perfect. Jesus Christ was, is, and shall forever be perfect. When he hung on that cross, he was the perfect sacrifice. Indeed, the only sacrifice that God the Father would accept to wash away the sins of mankind. Woo! We're talking about a man who died on a cross, who was nailed to that cross and died there. Whose side was pierced with a spear and blood and water came forth. And the Roman soldiers looked up and said, this one's dead. And they were right. He died. His body died. Woo, glory. He quit breathing. His heart stopped pumping. As we say down here in the south, he was, his body was dead as a hammer. He was dead. They pulled them nails out and took his body down. It was a dead body. They wrapped up his dead body and put it in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, who had never had anybody laid in that tomb before. They laid his dead body wrapped up in them cloths Swaddling clothes while he was wrapped in when he was a baby in Bethlehem. They laid his dead body in that tomb. The government said, we're going to roll a big old stone in front of it. We're going to set some soldiers out there so nobody will come and mess with it. Those people were idiots. Drag your nasty army out there. Pull every Roman you can find. I don't care. Praise God, I feel like notice. Drag them out there. Because something's going to happen Sunday morning that nobody can stop. We tell people there was a man born of a virgin who lived a sinless life, who gave his life on a cross, whose body died, and we ain't done. That on that Sunday morning, the morning of that third day, when they went to complete the work they could not complete because of the onset of the Sabbath, that the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty and his dead body was gone. It wasn't just gone. 
but the strips of cloth had just compressed. Nobody unwrapped him. He just escaped from it. And the napkin was folded at the head. <laughs> Woo! And as Paul Mary, brokenhearted, I'm telling you, broken, the lowest point of her life, the man who had done so much for her, delivered her from unclean spirits, taught her how to live, loved her unconditionally. And the next time some idiot on TV tells you that Jesus and Mary went to France and had children, don't eat. Don't even give that the courtesy of the time of day. She's out there squalling. She's hurting. And she can sense someone walk up behind her. She thinks it's the gardener. And, and that's, you know, I'm not going to criticize her for that. Must be the gardener. And through the tear-flooded eyes, if you can tell me where they have laid him, so I can go. And she's thinking, what further indignity can they put upon him? than they have already done. If you can just tell me what they've done with his body, please, please, let me know. He speaks her name. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And she knew his. She wheels around there. He does not look like he did on the cross. His body is not ripped to shreds. His head is not swollen. He has taken a transitional form between his resurrection and his glorification. If he looked like he did when he was on the cross, Mary would run away from there screaming. She'd be scared to death. Nobody would have approached him. But he's in the transitional form. But he spoke her name, and she knows who it is. And she wheels around there and grabs him around the knees and has made up her mind, I will never, never let you go again. Matter of fact, he had to give her specific instructions or she'd still be around his knees. Go tell the brothers what you've seen. That's what we tell folks. We're telling folks that a man who was dead as a hammer crucified on a cross and laid in a tomb that his dead body came back to life. We tell people without reservation that Jesus Christ rose bodily from the grave. Wow, that's a really a story, isn't it? We ain't done. We tell folks that days after that, in the presence of many witnesses from the Mount of Olives, and as we read from Acts chapter 1, that he ascends to the right hand of his Father in heaven, that the disciples are looking up, craning their back. There he goes. Well, he'll be back in a minute. You reckon? Yeah, he won't be gone long. To the point where the angel asks us, and this is Brother Andrew's paraphrase, hey, y'all. Quit looking up. He ain't coming back right now. Why don't you do what he told you to do? Get your hides over to Jerusalem and wait. Now, that's what I'd have told him if I'd have been an angel. I'm sure the, the angel in question was more tactful than I would have been. But they go to Jerusalem because Jesus told them to. And we tell folks this. And we tell folks this same Jesus who lived, who died, who has risen from the grave, who has ascended to the right hand of God the Father, is glorified. And we encourage folks to read the book of Revelation where the description is given into how he looks right now. 
I don't know what your perception of Jesus is, but if you still have him on the cross, that's mistaken. If you still got him in, on the tomb, he ain't there. But if you read the book of Revelation and get an understanding of who our Lord is and how he looks right now, whoo, there is nothing to compare. We tell people this same Jesus is coming back. Ha! Ancient alien theorists believe that the ancient aliens were. I, love, I know it gets on the with this nerve. I watch it. I just laugh. It just tears me up. You know, and I, you know well, how'd this happen? How'd that? I said, my Lord, you got the word of God right in front of you. But no, we got to go this way. That this same Jesus will return. We tell people that the dead in Christ are going to rise. We tell people that when a Christian's body dies, that the angels come and escort their spirit into the presence of Almighty God in heaven. And that they are there now in a transitional form similar to the one Jesus took between the resurrection and his glorification. And they're waiting on this resurrection event to take place. Because they are going to receive a glorified body similar to his. They know we tell folks. We tell folks that when this resurrection event takes place and that trumpet sounds, that the church that is alive and remains shall be caught up together with the resurrected saints in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wow. That's a humdinger of a story, isn't it? It sure is. Well, how can y'all say that with a straight face? The Holy Ghost. You know why old brother Andy got saved? Because the Holy Ghost took this gospel, stuck it right at the end of my nose, Brother Hughes, and said, this is the truth. What are you going to do with it? And the best decision I ever made in my life was at the end of that revival at the Bearden Church of God when I got up and said, I'm going to the altar. That's what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to get down and pray. That's what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to experience it. Praise God. Now, what happens when a person gets saved? Well, we are adopted into the family of God. We ain't Jews. I'm sorry. If y'all take the ancestry, you know, most of y'all ain't going back to Jerusalem. You're going back to Ireland, Scotland, most of us, Africa, somewhere, Asia. You ain't going back to Israel. Because most of the folks in here are not genetically Hebrew people. If you are, congratulations. Because this gospel goes to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, to the Greek. But when that person is saved, there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that takes place for the purpose of establishing a relationship between the just saved person and the God that saved them. I refer to this work as person and work as the Holy Spirit of adoption. I've heard Pentecostal folks, they ain't got the Holy Ghost. Are they saved? Yeah, well, they have an indwelling of the Spirit of God. They, call, they cry out, Abba, Father. They pray in the name of Jesus, and their prayers get answered. And, and, and the thing I have fought, and, it's, it's a, and it's, I know it's a work of the enemy through, you know, Pentecostal folks. 
Pentecostal people have no right to look down their nose at nobody. Do you hear me? Let me say it again as the presiding elder of this congregation. You do not have the right to look down your nose at someone who is a brother or sister in Christ who has yet to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Do not look down. You are not better than they are. When the blood of Jesus is applied and your sins are washed away, you are as saved as you ever going to get. Now there's a work of sanctification that takes place. Glory to God. There's a work of maturing that takes place. Glory to God. But you only save, saved is saved. You either saved or lost. Amen. So the Holy Spirit performs this work of adoption in us. Creates a relationship between us and the very throne of God whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Amen. I tell you what, if I'm laying in the hospital, I hope I don't. Y'all, please, I don't want to go back to the hospital, but, you know, it's just a, it ain't no fun. But if the only person I got praying for me is a good Baptist or a good Methodist or a good Presbyterian, a good Anglican, you know, well, they ain't got, they ain't received the baptism. <laughs> Pray, man. Pray in the name of Jesus. They get a prayer through. Being Pentecostal does not make us better or superior to other Christians. We're just blessed. Now the difference here is indwelling, two words. Indwelling and outpouring. And therein lies the difference. If you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells in you. The relationship has been established. Your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when you die, you go into heaven. Glory to God. If the resurrection takes place before you die, you're going to be caught up, and so shall you ever be with the Lord because you're saved and your name is written in the book. But here's the difference. The difference is outpouring because when we talk about being baptized, you've got to have three to be baptized. You've got to have a baptizer, the one doing the baptizing. You've got to have a candidate, or as Brother Andy refers to them as the baptizee. That's not a proper word, but I do it just because it's fun. And then you have to have an element into which the candidate or baptizee is baptized into. The word baptized means to immerse. That's why we got this big tank of water back here. Because we're going down. I told you, all it's been a year since I did. I got to go back to Fort Slate Camp. They got their new remodeled uh, sanctuary, and they got that baptismal pool that I criticized on my last visit. Now, Brother Bobby, don't feel bad. If you have a senior moment, Brother Andy has foot and mouth moments. <laughs> and last year on the Sunday night at Force Lake Assembly of God, Brother Andy was all righteous. Dear, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have one of those baptisters where the man of God didn't get in the water with him. I say, let's get wet with him. And people just busted out laughing all over that sanctuary. And I'm like, what was so funny? Then later on, Brother Tim said, <coughs> Brother Andy, what? Well, said, we're putting one of them in when we remember. <laughs> and then to double stick my foot, get the other one in my mouth. I, I, I preach at Grand Bay Church of God on Wednesday nights. Most years when I go down, I, I get in touch with Brother Stoke. Yeah, Brother Andy, come holler at us. Okay. And I share that with them. And what I don't, they're getting one too. I said, Lord, have mercy. I said, we'll line you folks up and pray you through. You've got to have a baptizer, a candidate, and an element. The baptizer takes the candidate 
and immerses them in the element. Now, water baptism is a public declaration. The candidate is telling the world, I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. Put me down with the Christians. I'm one of them. Water baptism does not save you. Water baptism is for people who have been saved, okay? So you have the candidate, just to give us an idea here, a candidate, the baptizer, and the element. And we all know the drill. I baptize you, my son, my daughter, my friend, my brother, whoever, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen. And the person is immersed in the water. It's a similar situation with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer. You have the candidate. Fill in the blank. The element is the Holy Spirit. Jesus takes the candidate and immerses them completely in the Holy Spirit to where they are absolutely filled to overflow. Now see, water baptism just gets you wet on the outside, but the baptism in the Holy Ghost starts from the inside and comes all the way out. Amen. To where we are filled, not just filled up, we are filled to overflowing. Praise God. How is that overflowing manifest? Every individual who has ever been baptized in the Holy Ghost will speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance, and that's the rub. It was the rub for me. I was not raised in the church of God. I was not raised in the Pentecostal denomination, okay? Church I went to, people didn't do that. And it was an issue for me, even after Dorothy and I got married. Even though I'd been saved in a Pentecostal church, I did not attend, I was backslidden, I did not attend a church anywhere. But I told Dorothy I was a good Baptist, I wasn't going to no church of God. And I ain't knocking the Baptist, please don't understand me. I appreciate, thank God for my Baptist upbringing. They taught me the gospel of Jesus Christ and did a great job. But tongues is part of it. And here's the, the misconception. Brother Andy, I got to speak in tongues to be baptized? No. It is that when you are baptized, you will. You put the cart before the horse. Well, I don't know about that. I didn't either. Until on a Tuesday night, I've been... Cutting wood all day. Dorothy and I had a wood heater at that time. We lived down on Bowling Road, Highway 100. We had a wood heater, and I'd been cutting wood all day. Cutting wood, hauling wood, stacking wood. Boy, we got that gas heater. I was, I ain't cutting wood no more. Do-dah, do-dah, you know. But I'd been cutting wood all that day. It's Tuesday night that night. At that time, we had a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And, uh. I told her, I, said, I'm, I, I mean, I look bad, I was dirty, I smell bad, I, I was not at my best. And I said, I'm going to that prayer meeting. I do it just spite the devil. I'm, on, I'm going to that prayer meeting. I get strength goes. So I went, hauled myself over to church, we were downstairs, and I was in the kids' Sunday school room, we got the short table. So out of that little old table, I made myself an altar down at the end of it. And we had our prayer request, and me and Brother Sister Dawkins and... Um, Oh, I, I forgot uh, the other brother's name that lived uh, down the street from. Uh, thank you, Brother Johnson, Bill Johnson. Thank you, Tim. Give him a cookie. Where's Myra? You get 100. How many of y'all remember Brother Bill Johnson, that deep voice? 
Man, he had boys. Well, we lit into praying, right? Well, Lord, help this one. Lord, help that one. Lord, help the other one. And was my situation back then, I was bad to close the place down. I'd get in the altar seeking a baptism, and Brother Johnson would turn the lights out on me. Well, may as well turn the lights out. I ain't no use burning power. Brother Andy going to be there for him. Oh, God. Hang on. Oh, God. Let go. Oh, God. Do, you know, do something. <laughs> and I'm down at the end of that table, and I'm just praying my little old guts out, you know. And all of a sudden, the, the older saints, and I was blessed in this, and I, I just appreciate my experience here. These older saints, precious senior saints, began to gather around me. Because everybody else quit praying. Andy's still praying. Now, I don't say this to lift myself up. I'm just telling you how good God is. And I'm praying. I'm keeping on praying. Well, here we go. Hold on, brother. Let go, brother. Turn loose, brother. Praise God. I mean, all the, all the things that we do to try to encourage folks. And I don't know why. I, I guess we just do it because we don't know what else to do. So I'm giving them giving all these instructions. But in the midst of that, I start asking him for it. I want it. I want it. I've seen it. I've, I've, I've felt the, the, the presence of the Spirit of God in the worship service. I've been around folks that's got it, and dear Lord, I want it. And I'm asking you for it again. I want it. And these saints of God, and it's here, here they go. I'm down, oh Lord, they up there praying, speaking in tongues. You know, and all this stuff's happening all around me. And I'm just down at the end of that table praying. And the Lord brought, a, and I ain't going to call this a vision, I'll just say it's a remembrance, but one of the fellows at church had a bumper sticker on his truck, as crazy as this sounds, that says, believe and receive, doubt and do without. Because I, I had come all the way up to the Spirit of God giving me an utterance to speak out, and I would not speak it out. I don't know what that says. Now, the first thing the devil's going to do, or some unclean spirit, going to jump on your shoulder and say, that ain't the Holy Ghost, that's a demon. That don't even make sense. If you was going to get some kind of unclean spirit, why would the devil tell you that that's what it was? Why don't he just keep his mouth shut and let you keep it? But in, in an attempt to keep people, because the devil don't want you saved, he sure don't want you saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus said, you shall receive power after he has come upon you. So I'm there, and I, I, I guess it's just I, I got the place where I just told, Lord, I just don't, you know, I'm going to trust you. And here's the thing. Most people say that, that the Lord, he doesn't do that against your will. You submit your tongue to the Spirit of God. That's what I had not done. I, I was almost immersed. Neck deep. But it hadn't went through my head yet. But that night it did. And I began to speak in an unknown language as the Spirit of God gave me the utterance. And when I got through praying, first place I went, I went to Shirley Notice's house because they'd prayed so hard for me all that time. Hey, oh, guess what? What? I got the Holy Ghost, praise God. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. I got it. I know I got it. I got to thinking about it, and I got ashamed. I felt bad. I said, ooh. I said, Lord, I could have had this the first time I asked for it, couldn't I? He said, yes, son. You could have had it the first time you asked for it.
Don't let the fear of tongues get in your way. You're not going to receive no unclean spirit because Jesus said when you ask the Father for a loaf of bread, he ain't going to give you no rock. Do you think there's any way the devil can get in that when a child of God is seeking for the blessing that Jesus died on the cross to provide for us? Do you think the devil can mess with that? He can't. Because we shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon us. We have received, have been baptized in. Now here's another thing i got to tell you about the Holy Ghost baptism, what it will do to you. It will make you a radical. It will make you politically incorrect. But it will also make you a vessel in this service. I've done stuff under the inspiration and the presence of the Holy Spirit not having to do with the spirit of adoption or the work of adoption, but having to do with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, with the anointing and the boldness that comes with that. You will find, you will have an, you will have an opportunity to experience the fact that this Holy Spirit will give you command of the ground that you stand on. And you will proclaim without shame this gospel. And if people look at you like you're crazy... It don't phase you. I have come to tell you of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of Almighty God, the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the Gentiles, born of a virgin who lived a sinless life, who sacrificed on the cross, satisfied the righteous judgment of a holy God concerning the sin of mankind, I declare to you that he is alive from the dead, seated at the right hand of God the Father, and that he is soon to return in power and in glory, that his own shall be raised and given a glorified body likened unto his, and that we live each day an abundant life with the expectation of the fulfillment of the promise for as surely as he has saved me, as surely as he has baptized me in the Holy Ghost, he will surely fulfill the promise of his return. I live every day in that expectation. It motivates me. It moves me. It affects me. It determines every decision that I make that soon and very soon we shall see this same Jesus coming in the clouds of glory and we shall ever be with him. That's what it is. That's what it is. And you don't have to be somebody behind a pulpit. You can be in a Dollar General store. Where is she at back there somewhere? Praise God, she's hiding from me this morning. I can't get over that. <laughs> hey, how you doing? This lady prayed for me and I ain't got cancer no more. Let's just praise God in the Dollar General store. Amen. It's for you. And you say, Brother Andy, I haven't received the baptism in the Holy You are not a second-class Christian. That's a devil. You are not a second-class Christian. doesn't mean that you can't do anything before. I'm telling you. You know why we call it the blessing? Because it's a blessing. It's a blessing. It has no stigma attached to it, except what the world wants to put on it. It's a blessing. The Lord desires to bless his children. Amen. You know, and I got to say, well, the Lord won't have nothing to do with me. No, no, yes, he will. He loves you. 
What's going to get you to heaven is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Washes our sins away. Amen. The Holy Spirit in this ministry is a comforter, is an enabler, is one who bestows power upon. For you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you may find yourself, as what happened here several months ago, person with an unclean spirit right out in that vestibule. And that thing made a mistake. It lunged at Brother Otis. I saw I was there, big eye, I saw it. I was praying, we was praying. That thing lunged at Brother Otis. You know what happened? Brother Otis lunged back. I ain't scared of you. Come out of her in the name of Jesus. You know what happened? Lady opened my door went out. Woo, brother, that makes me all. I'm here to tell you, if you're afraid of the devil, you don't have to be. Amen. For there's power in the name of Jesus over the enemy of your soul. There will be circumstances where you think, oh, and that's exactly what he's trying. I'm talking to somebody. I'm going to hush. He's trying to lie to you. and Oh, you're powerless. No, you're not. There's power in the name of Jesus. I can pray. Hallelujah. Like Mama Chowdhury, when she said Jesus, and God's creation stood at attention because that high-caste Hindu woman just spoke the name that is above every name. Hallelujah. And that which afflicted her son, which was the efforts of the enemy of her soul, was broken. Because that lady said, Jesus. And here's the good news. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. On this Pentecost Sunday, whosoever will. Let's stand together. We're going to come to the altar this morning. We're going to thank God.